the Lloyd's List Shipping Podcast. Deep Dish Pizzas, Al Capone, the greatest blues tunes ever committed to vinyl, and two Major League Baseball teams. Chicago is already pretty famous for many things, and last week the Windy City topped even those achievements by playing host to the International Union of Marine Insurance, which was able to hold its annual conference in person for the first time since the pandemic. The good news for those assembled is that the sector looks to be in reasonable shape. Aggregate global marine insurance premiums hit $33 billion last year, up 6.4% on 2020, according to the event's always eagerly awaited facts and figures presentation. Premiums for hull, cargo, offshore energy and marine liability were all up, with Asia and continental Europe in particular doing well. Lawyers of London, of course, continued to lose ground, but that wasn't unexpected. I guess, though, it's in the nature of insurers to point out the worst that might happen, and other sessions focused on the continuing uncertainties that face their clients in the shipping industry. Top of the list of potential woes is the conflict in Ukraine, of course, where payouts have been limited so far, but we can reasonably expect them to rise once the final bills are in. The fighting has sent global energy markets through the roof, which is feeding the inflation that was already becoming apparent in the wider economy. Meanwhile, latest estimates suggest that growth in world trade is already slowing. The pandemic isn't over, and climate change is causing the kind of natural catastrophes that can be a nightmare for insurers across all classes. Covering the event for Lloyd's List was our law and insurance editor, David Osler, who gauged the feeling of some of the attendees. Among those he buttonholed was Rama Chandran of QBE Singapore, the outgoing chair of Ayumi's Ocean Hull Committee. Now, hull and machinery premiums totaled $7.8 billion last year. That's an increase of over 4%. Not barnstorming, maybe, but healthy enough, you would have thought. Rama, however, was slightly downbeat, pointing instead to the problems on the horizon. And heading his list of concerns is the rapidly rising price of steel, which is making it more expensive to pick up ship repair tabs, and it's driving a rise in loss ratios. Here's what he had to say. Yeah, well, I think the trajectory is what was the, the concern. Is the, the prior year was a 6% growth, and then we are now flattening off in terms of uh, uh, the growth, and we are significantly lower than uh, what it was 10 years ago, notwithstanding that uh, the vessel size has increased. Uh, the size number of vessels has increased. So there has been some divergence, but the divergence has improved in the last two years. Uh, we just don't want to see the divergence going back to the same gap. Yeah, I, I remember this, when I first started writing about marine insurance, somebody told me, oh, you do realise that hull uh, insurance has not made a profit for yeah. years, <laughs> which immediately, for somebody coming across that, was right. right. So uh, my obvious question is, why do they stay in the business? Yeah, and hence that some a lot of the capacity was withdrawn uh, in 2017, 2018. And I think that's a concern now going forward. Uh, we don't want to be back in that position, especially now with significant inflationary pressures that's coming yeah. on stream. And I think that 4.1% uh, or maybe in 2022, if it's even lower, the concern would be whether they're sufficient to make sure that the, uh, we take into effect the inflationary prices. Some of the challenges in terms of the new technologies that we have not fully understood and we have not fully 
uh, or even this other stakeholders, including classification societies, has fully uh, appraised and have rules and regulation to fully mitigate this as well. And I think these are some of the challenges. The crew also is increasingly putting some challenge in terms of not having one. You mentioned those challenges in your presentation. I think the word you use is worrying. What makes you say that? What's worrying? We have seen in the first six months, you know, when the discussion we had in the Ocean Health Committee, that was from the pure inflationary loss ratios, they have already seen between 5 to 10 percent in individual markets. So I think that alone is now starting to show that that is affecting purely from inflationary, purely from the steel prices where we are, the cost of the spare parts that we are having, some of the delay in the spare parts that's also affecting the overall cost of uh, uh, the repair and the lost bills. Um, so I think these are already starting to show uh, in the first six months and we expect I mean, can you give us some idea of how bad that is? What might a fairly run-of-the-mill still renewal have cost a couple of years back and what does it cost now? Well, uh, one of the committee members, Susie uh, Severo, uh, uh, told us that it is now 100% more for a ship on a steel price uh, compared to 12 months ago uh, in China. Right. Um, so, which so what might that mean? 20 million instead of 10? Or well, normally it's the extent of the steel, so it yeah. was $1 per kilogram, now it's slightly more than $2 per kilogram in terms of steel work that is thing. So I think effectively a lot of the work uh, does involve steels, if it has a casualty in terms of collision, grounding and steel work being a big part of the chunk of the repair bill, so that would be a direct consequence on, and direct effect uh, with, this, with the costs of with the deteriorating loss ratios, uh, I think that's that's one of the worrying concerns that we are seeing. And I think the general consensus in the Ocean Oil Committee was that impact would be more greatly felt in 2023. I think that's, that's another important sector of marine insurance is, of course, PNI, and the International Group Chief Executive Nick Shaw was there on behalf of his members this year. Gross calls for international group P&I clubs were up 5.1% at $3.1 billion. And after three successive years of fairly chunky premium rises and a merger between North and Standard on the way, there is now some debate as to whether further price hikes are in fact needed. Ayumi, of course, tends to be dominated by cargo and hull underwriters. So Dave started by asking Nick why he'd made the trip. Well, I'm, I'm a member of the uh, Legal and Liability Committee of IUMI, so I contribute a report on the uh, uh, progress of the group and also um, do the UK report to that committee. Um, and I also get involved in helping to choose the speakers and, to, uh, and have spoken myself um, at the Legal and Liability Committee meetings uh, to ensure that uh, liability issues are quite high up on the agenda here at IUMI. Um, in addition to that, I, I, um, uh, I see it as an opportunity to see some of our key uh, underwriting uh, underwriters from, from some of our key uh, markets who are our partners uh, in writing the international group contracts. So it's a great opportunity to see a lot of people in, in one place. The international group is always reluctant to discuss pricing, 
correctly insisting that this is a decision for each of its individual affiliates. Nevertheless, Nick noted that P&I is hardening in line with other marine classes, which does at least allow the possibility of firmer premiums to come, if that's what the clubs decide to ask for. Um, I, I think obviously we, we provide this data to IUMI every year so they can track uh, P&I premium and see whether it's going up or down. Um, last year it was flat um, and this year we've seen a 5% increase. I think that reflected harder market conditions um, and some concerns over uh, cover. Um, and and I, in terms of adequacy, that's a, a question for each individual um, P&I club to discuss with its uh, club board and then go out to its membership accordingly to ensure that they're adequately uh, reserving for the, the claims that come into that particular club. Uh, all we are doing is collating the uh, premium information um, and that also includes the fixed premium facilities that some of the clubs operate. Um, of course that's only 90% of global shipping, it's not the entirety of the market and we don't collect data for the other fixed premium providers. The IUMI conference also hears from a range of guest speakers, and prominent this year was Richard Nayland, a partner with the law firm HFW and something of a fixture, having spoken at the last 11 gatherings. He's always on topic, and his focus this time round was on the potentially substantial claims arising from constructive total losses on vessels alongside in Ukraine. It's all very complicated, these things always are. And everything depends on the exact wording of the insurance contract. But the Kremlin sent its tanks over the border in February, and some owners have had a valid claim since August. Now, some have opted not to submit those claims, possibly because rising vessel values means that the ships are insured at less than current market value, which would leave owners out of pocket if there is any realistic chance of getting their ships back. But let's let Richard explain that. Um, yeah, it obviously it depends on the clauses that the war risk is written on and typically the ITC clauses, the war and strikes clauses or the Nordic plan. Um, typically in London risks are written on 12 months uh, detainment terms and the Nordic plan often is six months. So obviously the six month deadline has now passed around the 24th of August 2022 and so those ships that are on six months terms have potentially the opportunity to advance a claim, um, but if they choose to advance a claim then obviously the war risk underwriters have to look very carefully as to whether that's a valid claim, um, but the majority of the vessels are on 12 months terms, so we really won't see um, you know, that coming to a head until around 24th of February uh, 2023, so in a few months time. Right, I mean, to the best of your knowledge, um, how many vessels might we be talking about here? Um, to the best of my knowledge, there's probably about um, five or six vessels that right. might have the opportunity to put forward a claim now. Right. Um, whether they've done so or not, obviously, is an issue for them. And if they do, obviously, there's some complexities as whether that is a crystallised valid claim yet or whether um, you know it, it, it is a valid claim under the policy. Right. I mean, it was put to me by an underwriter that in some cases the vessel's values might have risen above the insured value, which might be an incentive not to play if you think you're going to get them back. 
Yeah, I mean that's that's a very good point. Obviously, you have the, the insured value and the the IV as well. So, but you know, it's it's the option of the ship owner whether they wish to claim or not. If they think their vessel is is that more than the the total insurance payout, they may choose not to make a claim. Obviously, those you quite rightly say it rather depends on the prospect of getting that vessel out. And of course, there are continuing costs involved in maintaining that vessel, the crew in particular, associated costs and associated risks as well. So, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot to think about. Um, and of course, we're all hoping that this awful, awful war won't drag on for 12 months, mm. but if it were to do so, I mean, how many vessels, any idea how many vessels might have planes in that eventuality? Yeah, good question. I mean, we have the, the Black Sea Grain Initiative, which has been a great uh, initiative brokered by the UN, by uh, Russia, by Ukraine and by Turkey, and that's been, to my mind, very successful. So certainly vessels in um, Yuzhny, in Chinomorsk, in Odessa, with permitted cargoes on board, we've seen those leave, um, and there's potentially prospects of, or good prospects of getting vessels out that perhaps don't have those cargoes, there's op opportunities there. So we're really talking about vessels to the further east, to Nikolaev, Nikolaev and areas around that. And there's you know, quite a few vessels in that river. Um, but again, we're quite hopeful that you know, the, the Grain Initiative covered those three ports. Maybe there's an opportunity for that to be extended and negotiated. So even if this you know, horrendous conflict carries on, maybe there's an opportunity to get those vessels out as well. Of course, being an annual conference, Ayumi also has the usual formal business to conduct, and this year marked the election of a new president. Victor's Richard Turner stepped down after a four-year term to be replaced by Frederick Denifler of Garrix, and Dave, of course, caught up with them both. First, he asked Richard how he'd found the job. Highlights from Mr Turner include the rise of environmental, social and governance issues, ESG, and of course Ayumi's role in supporting the Poseidon principles for marine insurance, which require committee insurers to disclose the environmental performance of their marine book. The mention of Cape Town, in case you're wondering, is a reference to Ayumi's conference in that South African city in 2018, and my predecessor Dieter is a reference to Dieter Berg, of course, of Munich Re. So, Richard, um, four years in the job since Cape Town at 2018. What are, what are your reflections on your time at the top? Well, uh, it's been an eventful four years. Obviously, we had the pandemic. That affected us last year and the year before. We weren't able to hold our normal conferences. Um, it affected the way we ran the business. Um, so lots more working from home, that sort of thing. Um, but I would also say I... We haven't wasted the time. We haven't wasted the last four years. Um, we've still achieved lots and lots of things. You know, we've got our we've got our edu education program has come on in leaps and bounds. Um, we've definitely got the ESG agenda more developed. You know, in Cape Town, we had one presentation that was focused on ESG. This year here in Chicago, we're gonna have 19 ESG presentations. So, so that tells you uh, how much the membership have grabbed the agenda, grabbed the initiative, made ESG part of their workshops. That's about 40% of the workshops this year have some kind of ESG element to them. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big step change, I think. Um, and of course, within the past 12 months, IUNI's been become involved with the uh, Poseidon Principles Initiative 
that launched in the early part of 2022. So we have an involvement with that as well. Right, so and on top of ESG and Poseidon principles, I mean, anything else you'll remember when you look back at your time? Plenty of things. I mean, I, so, you know, if we, if we look at the, the way the industry is developing, there are, there are two things that are going to be pivotal to the development of the, of the insurance sector. One is the, 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 the impact of ESG and how that will shape the future for insurers, um, not, not just in the environmental space, but obviously that's a key part of it. Um, and the second area of huge change is going to be data and digitalization. So, you know, my predecessor, Dieter, set up the data digitalization group we've matured that group we've given it its own slot at conference which will be happening this week um, and that is going to revolutionize the way insurance businesses are run uh, how risk is assessed how premium is arrived at um, and of course our, our clients are going through their own digital revolution as well so that will change the dynamics as well so those two things are going to have a massive impact on the insurance industry in the long term and that's why we've been so keen to develop them in tandem if you like as okay. themes for us and for our membership and finally i mean now you're stepping down and have all that spare time on your hands um <laughs> what, what are you going to be Maybe doing not. with yourself what are, what are your plans for the next couple of years so uh, well i my day job is with victor insurance the mga so i'm mm. going to be um, doing lots of stuff for them that's that's the that's the plan um and uh, so i won't i won't be uh, I won't be at home with nothing to do, let's put it that way. Are you going to miss it? Of course I will. It's been a great privilege to do this. Um, it's a chance for me to put something back into the sector. I, 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 you know, I came into the sector when I, was, when I was 18 years old and the sector's given me a great career. So it's, it's, uh, it's great to have the chance to put something back into the sector and, and help the industry in the future. And finally, let's leave the last words with the new IUMI president, War Risk Underwriter Frederick Denefler. Dave started by asking him why he took on the job, which, let's not forget, is a substantial part-time commitment. He also asked him for more details about his company, which perhaps isn't that well known in London. And here you are, now new president of IUMI. What do you plan to do in that role? What are your plans for your two-year term? Well, there is no, I would say, revolution in front of us. We are there to build up the continuity. Uh, we are there to make sure that the various uh, topics and subjects which are uh, EUMI's uh, involvement are, uh, strictly speaking, kept on. Uh, th there is uh, several uh, things that we should consider in terms of strategic uh, adapt uh, amendments uh, to, uh, to the uh, IUMI's organization. Uh, when it comes, for example, to uh, how it is organized and how uh, things should be uh, handled for the uh, 2013, so to say, IUMI, uh, uh, I would say, uh, profile. And uh, I will, uh, with the new executive committee, work in order to uh, uh, think about how we should uh, cope with those evolutions. Of course, we, wish we should strengthen and reinforce what we have done on the ESG part. We should make sure that diversity is still one of our uh, targets. We should make sure that uh, the voice uh, of IUMI is really open to each and every uh, risk uh, carriers into our business, uh, P&I. 
uh, hull cargo and uh, make sure that uh, the offshore is also uh, uh, well, I would say, carried by uh, the IUMI's message and IUMI's work. Um, so there, there is really, uh, in, 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 uh, in, in, in one word, continuity, which will be the base, and uh, uh, make sure that we adapt to uh, the uh, next challenge, which, have, which will have to, uh, which we, that we will have to meet uh, by then, uh, when it comes to uh, uh, insurance, uh, being able to cope with the big data system and uh, uh, make sure that all the, uh, uh, I would say, uh, organization that we have are able to treat datas and share uh, the datas amongst ourselves to uh, to make sure we understand the market correctly and the risk correctly. And that is it for another week, I'm afraid. If you're not a subscriber to Lloyd's List, you really should be. For all the best coverage of marine insurance, of course, but for all shipping segments available anywhere. Sign up at lloydslist.com slash subscription for more details. Meanwhile, thank you for listening. We will be back next week with more insights from the shipping industry.